Who likes Kit Kats? Oh. Sheena likes Kit Kats. Robert likes Kit Kats. Let's pick on it. What about you, Brady? Do you like Kit Kats? Come up here. <laughs> it's been my experience. You don't usually pick on guests when they show up, but I know this guy, so you can stand right there. You don't have to come all the way up here. Oh. Here. You're making me look bad. All right, so I have an option for you. You can either take this Kit Kat or what's in this bag. Now, let me tell you, okay. I can promise you what's in this bag is way better than what's in here. Do you still want the Kit Kat? Are you taking the bag? Mm-hmm. Why are you taking the bag? Because he said it was way better. And you trust me? Mm-hmm. Okay, here's the bag. Take it out and show everybody. <laughs> now, look on the back of it. Hastings gift card. <laughs> A $10 gift card, gift card to Hastings. Okay, thank you. You can go sit down. <laughs> All right. This is for you later, Sheena. <laughs> we'll make two people happy. All right, so he decided to go for what was in the bag because he trusted me because we have a relationship. He is one of my student workers at work, and he knows me and believed when I said that I had something in the bag that was so much better than what was right in front of his face. Okay, this is the same thing with God. He's telling us to trust him. He has so much more for us than what is right in our face, what is right here on this earth. And I know that inside me, there's this need for more. Think about when you go to a, a fast food joint. You have the option to supersize it. Give me some biggie fries. Give me the largest thing that you can possibly fit fries into. That's what I want, right? You have, uh, you're look, always looking for a better job, a way to make more money, Right? At least I know I am. Shouldn't have said that in front of the student workers, but <laughs> a nicer house. Always looking for a bigger house. Who wouldn't want that huge mansion on the hill? I know I would. I don't know what I'd do with it, but I'd take it. <laughs> a better car. Who wouldn't want to drive a Ferrari? I mean, honestly. I don't know where you'd drive it around here, but it'd be nice to have a Ferrari just to have a Ferrari. <laughs> All right, so. The problem is we have a thirst for something more. And our problem is we're on earth and we're surrounded by all these things of the earth instead of being surrounded by what God wants for us, what God has for us. He has so much more for us. And the way I look at it is we have this thirst for more and we fill it with sand. We fill it with the things of this world. And if you're really thirsty, if you have a physical thirst and you just need a drink, do you run out and get a handful of sand and eat it what do you do you drink water right if you're dehydrated and they go to the hospital they put you in iv there's not sand dripping in that iv it's it's water it's straight water okay it's a thirst all right we have this this felt need that if only i let me give you a few examples when you're in elementary school you're thinking if only i were in middle school life would be awesome Right? And you get to middle school and you think, if only I was in high school, that's when it'll be awesome. That's when life will be cool. And you get to high school and it's still not quite what you thought it would be. 
And so you think, if only I were to go to college or get a career, find a job, move out of the house, get away from mom and dad, then that's where life is. That's where life will begin. That's, that'll start to fill my void. You get out of college or you, find that you get out of the house and it's tough. And you think, well, this isn't quite what I expected. And so you start looking for a relationship. Maybe if I find a husband or a wife or somebody to spend my life with, maybe that'll fill this void that's inside me. And you find out that that doesn't. And so you think, well, maybe if we have kids, kids will fill that void. So you have kids, and once you have kids, you think, you know, if the kids would just sleep through the night, that'd be great. That'll be, that'll be when I arrive. That'll be when I get there. Then you think, oh, when they get potty trained, that'd be so awesome. <laughs> Tired of changing diapers. <laughs> so they get there, and if only they would go to school, then we would find something more. If only they would get out of the house, <laughs> then we would find something more, right? And you find every time, in each one of these stages of life, it's not quite what you thought it was going to be. And you get to retirement, and you got this empty nest, and you look back on life and think, I have nothing. You know, there's nothing there. It's not what I thought it was going to be. I made all these decisions, and I made all these choices, and it's not what I thought it was going to be. You know, and then you're looking forward to heaven. You know, I'm just ready to go to heaven. You know, no matter where you're at in these stages, because we all get there, there's this void, there's this thing, that, this longing for something more. And it's not anything bad. It's not that it's a bad desire. It's just that we fill it with the wrong things. Like I said, we eat sand when we're thirsty. Let's take a look at what God has to say about more. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 55. Okay, Isaiah 55 says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come by and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. God, talking about that thirst, not about a physical thirst. This is about a spiritual thirst, a longing that we have for Him that we don't quite know that it's Him. We don't understand that because we're here and we're surrounded by dirt. We're surrounded by this earth. He says, come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. That sounds kind of strange, doesn't it? How are you supposed to buy something that, when you have no money? He's talking about a price that we owe that we could never pay. Our money is no good with God. He's talking about sin. Oops. It's a problem with using an iPad. It changes pages without you knowing it. You have, your money is no good here. There's nothing that you can do to purchase what he offers. Okay? He says, why spend money on what, not, what is not bread and labor on what does not satisfy? What are the wages of sin? Death. The only thing you can earn, the only thing that you 
deserve for your best effort, your best try, the best that you can do for yourself is death. So why waste your time? Why waste time on toiling and buying this junk around you, supersizing and getting a bigger car, a bigger house, the latest and greatest iPod, the next gadget, the best Xbox, the best Xbox game, whatever. Why waste your time on that stuff? Because it's just like the dirt. It's not going to quench that thirst. Skip down to verse 8 with me. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways, my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Okay, God's saying, I'm up here in a whole nother universe, a whole nother plane away from you. And I see it all and I know all and I have your best interest in mind. All you can see is what's right in front of you on earth. All you can see is what's surrounding you. And what's surrounding you is dirt and trash and filth. And it's easy to get caught up in that. I'm up here. My ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. You can trust me. You can put your faith in me. You can believe that I have your best interest in mind. Verse 11, oops, sorry, verse 10. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. This is one of the most important things I want you to learn today. I want you to grab hold of this and understand this. He says, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. He doesn't say what I'm going to give you is nourishment. What I'm going to give you is food. He says what I'm going to give you is seed. I'm going to give you a renewable resource. Something that is eternal. Not just consumable. Not just something that you take for the moment. The seed is there for a renewable resource so you can give it to everyone. It's plentiful. There's tons of it. There's lots of it. And so you can give from your excess. You can give from this renewable resource and it's never going to run out. It's never going to run out for you and it's never going to run out for anyone else. That's what Jesus offers. That's what God offers us in a relationship with Him. And when we do it His way instead of our way. Because His ways are not our ways. Because He can see from where He is being an omnipotent God, being everywhere, being an all-powerful God. He knows what's best for us. Verse 11. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. His word is the same way. It's renewable. It renews you in the spirit. Every time he speaks to you, every time he speaks into your heart, it renews you. It refreshes you. He's all about renewal. If you look at the seasons, the way it changes, it's always, always something new. Every year we have a new season. Every day the sun comes up. The ocean comes in and goes out. Everything's about renewal with God. Taking what's old, doing away with it, and giving you something new. Okay. God wants what is best for His children. I want me. I want what I think is best for me. Okay, God has our best interest in mind. 
and I have my ideas and my plans here on earth and what I think I should do and where I think I should go and what I need and what I want. But His ways are not our ways. We're going to do something unique. We're going to see what Jesus has to say about more. And this is amazing. I want you to go back today and I want you to read Isaiah 55. Because after we read this next passage, I want you to see how much these two are like. And I know it's kind of weird thinking that, oh, God has something to say that the same thing that Jesus has to say. It's not an accident. It's not a coincidence. It's the same person. Flip over to me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. All right, we're going to be talking about the Samaritan woman at the well. There's a lovely painting of it on the wall back there. But we're going to see where Jesus was walking in the desert and came to this well. And as a matter of fact, it was Jacob's well, one that he gave to his son Joseph. So this is a famous well. This one has a lot of history. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So here's Jesus at this well. And the story is, they're walking in the desert, and they're going somewhere. And Jesus is tired, physically tired. And when he asks her for this drink, it's because he's physically thirsty, not because he's spiritually thirsty but he's physically thirsty. He's exhausted. And apparently he had to rest. He sent his disciples on into town to buy food for him. So apparently he's exhausted for some reason that the disciples aren't. All of them are okay to go into town, get food, and bring back to him, and then go back into town. So Jesus is really, really, really tired. And so he's sitting down at this well, resting. And this woman walks up, and he asks her for a drink. And she says, wait a minute, you're a stranger, and... As a matter of fact, there's a little bit of racism going on here. You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. We can't talk to each other. You know, there's something wrong there. Jesus doesn't, it's not done. And so Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. All right, so let's stop there for a second. So here's this strange man sitting at this well. And we all know the story that the woman goes to, collect water in the heat of the day because she doesn't want to be around the other women because she doesn't live a perfect lifestyle, we'll say. She's sinful, like you and I. She's sinful, and she's ashamed of it, and so she stays away from everybody and keeps to herself. And You know, here's this stranger asking for a drink of water, and she says, wait a minute, we're not supposed to be talking. You're a Jewish man, and I'm obviously a Samaritan woman, so... And Jesus tells her, if you knew who I am, if you knew who I was that asked you for this drink of water, you would ask me for a drink of water. So let's imagine you're at home and somebody, a stranger, comes in your house and asks you for a drink of water. And you're like, whoa, you're a stranger. I don't know you. What are you doing here? And in return, the stranger says, you know, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for a drink of water. Now, how strange is that? 
You know, this is like her refrigerator. She, he's at her refrigerator asking her for a drink of water. She says, no. He says, you should ask me for a drink of water. All right, this is kind of weird. But we have to remember, God's ways are not our ways. And if it's ever evident, it's right here. So in verse 11, she says, sir, or sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? So she looks at Jesus and she says, you know, I've got my own stuff. I've got a bucket and I've got this rope. I can get down there and I can do it myself. How can you offer me something that you don't have the tools for, but I'm equipped to do it myself? Okay, you see that? It's just like us. Jesus offers us something. God offers us something. And we're like, I can handle it. I'm more than capable myself. I'm already here. I've got the tools. Let's just do it my way and we'll be on our way. Right? Okay, verse 13. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So Jesus is talking about her spiritual needs. She's still talking about her physical thirst. She hasn't caught up yet, which I think is hilarious. So Jesus is all about her spiritual needs, and she doesn't understand that yet. Verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. So she's still about the physical, right? So this is what Jesus says next. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. What does that have to do with water? What does that have to do with this living water that he offered her? She says, I have no husband she replied, Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. So she's talking about a physical thirst. He's talking about this spiritual thirst. And in her, her void, she's trying to fill with a relationship. She's trying to fill with a husband, a man. And the reason she's had five husbands and even the one she's with now isn't her husband is because it's never going to quench that thirst. It's never going to be honored by God. It's never going to be okay with God because you're trying to fill the void that He wants to fill in your life with someone else. You're putting someone before God. In her life, her idol is a man. In her life, her idol is something that's other than what God has in store for her. He has so much more for us, so much more. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on the mountains, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And so she's finally understanding. She says, I see you're a prophet. Okay, you obviously just read my past and I never said a word. And that's kind of creepy, kind of weird. But she says, religion is so difficult. Religion is complicated. You say we, have, we worship on this mountain, but you say we have to worship in Jerusalem. You know, so she throws the whole religion thing. I want to follow you. I want to trust you, but religion is just so confusing. You know, and we face the same thing. 
21. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. So he says, I understand it's complicated. But that's religion. That's not a relationship with me. A relationship with me isn't complicated. And what I have for you is so much more than you can ever attain on your own. What I have for you is so much more than you can imagine. So much more than you deserve. So much more. And he understands that it can get complicated. Verse 23, Yet a time is coming and has come now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in the truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in Spirit and in truth. He said the time is coming and has come. He was talking about Himself. There will be a time when we don't have to worry about worshiping here or worshiping in a temple there. Because one day, we're going to be the temple. He's telling her one day she is going to be the temple of God. So she doesn't have to worry about where she worships. And we have that benefit here over 2,000 years later. When Jesus left, He left the Spirit. And the Spirit is in us. We have the Spirit. And if you are a true believer, if you believe the truth, the way, if you believe that Jesus is the way and you believe in Him, then the Spirit is in you and you are the temple. Okay? Verse 25. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am He. Okay. So, He wanted to be clear with her that He was the Messiah. And if you read on, we learn about the disciples and some food. and He eventually goes into town and gets to witness to other people because of her. Because He had so much more for her. Finish reading that too, because that goes along with Isaiah 55. It's an amazing deal. And here's what happens. We thirst. We thirst for more. The problem is we drink from the world. Right? The things of this world will never satisfy our eternal thirst. And what it comes down to is it's my view versus the view of God. The way I see things, the way I see what is best for me, and the way He sees what is best for me. God's plan for us is different than we can imagine. It is so much more than we can imagine. Okay, There's nothing that you can imagine that's better than what God has planned for you. You have no idea. And if you think it's going to be rough, it doesn't matter. What's on the other side of that rough patch is something better. Something more. Something amazing it is different and contrary to what the world has taught us is valuable and important because you look around you and what people value isn't what god values what this world longs for isn't what god longs for what god longs for isn't what i long for and i have to change that Okay, we chase after what we believe is more, but it just leaves us thirstier than ever. 
You know, once you get there, once you get that better job, it's like a mountaintop experience. You're like, I'm here, I arrived. The problem is we're human and we look around and we see all these other mountains that I can climb, that I need to climb. Oh, I'm at the top of this one, but that one's a little bit taller. I'm at the top of this one, but that looks amazing. Let me go get that. You know, we're just, we're geared that way. We're geared for something more. And the problem is the something more that we're made for is spiritual. It's God. It's what He wants for us, from us. Not what we want for ourselves. Not what I can go out and get and bring home. All right, what do we learn from reading about God and from a relationship with God? He tells us many He tells us, my way is going to be different than your way. My plans are not your plans. The way I want you to live your life, your relationships, your relationships with your kids, the relationships with your coworkers, your relationships with people around you, the relationship with your spouse, your relationships. The way I want you to live your relationships is different than the way you think you should live your relationships. The way you manage your money is different than the way I think you should manage your money, your finances. Our plans and our ways are not like God. And we are enemies of Christ before we become, before He saves us, before He redeems us. You know, we're the opposite. We're on the other end of the spectrum. Everything you can do to get more will leave you lacking. Okay, the more you search for it, the more you struggle for it, just like the woman at the well, the more you try to do it yourself because you think you're equipped to draw your own water, because you think you're equipped, all you're doing is pulling up more sand and more dirt and surrounded by it. If you do it His way, you will have more than you can imagine. All right, so that leads us to this crossroads in life. When you come up to that moment where you can either do it your way or God's way, there's a decision, there's a choice. And I wrote down a few examples of what I want versus what God wants from me. Okay, here's the first one. What I want is to earn more money. I want to have a better job where I have lots of money and I can go get lots of things. And what God wants from me is to give more. He wants me to have a better job so I can give to the needy, so I can give to the poor. That's not my way. More power. It's in me to want to have more power, to be recognized, to be famous, to have somebody recognize me on the street that's a complete stranger. Like, oh, you're Clinton. Hey, stranger. You know, that, that's in me. <laughs> what God wants is to position ourselves to serve others better i'm fighting for a position for myself when what god wants me to do is fight for other people's positions to fight for them to make it to the top to make myself as low as i can not at the head of the table but at the end of the table other people are more important than me what i want is to win the argument when i have an argument with jennifer i like to win (laughs) I like to be right all the time. Am I right? You know I'm right. (laughs) What he wants is for me to build a bridge of reconciliation. He wants me to make peace, not war. He wants me not to fight. He wants me 
to tell her she's right, even when she's wrong. Not really. I kid. Thanks, honey. <laughs> what I want is if it feels good, do it. If there's something out there that's going to make me feel better, I'm going to do it. What God wants, His plan is if it is good, do it. Not if it feels good, but if it is good. If there's something out there that you know you should be doing that's right, do that instead of what makes you feel good. All right? My plan is to hate my enemies. His plan, to love those that have wronged me. To love my enemy. His ways are not our ways. And He has so much more for us. My plan is to complain in hard times and whine and cry. When it's difficult, I like to complain. His ways, His plan is to give thanks regardless of your circumstances. To be grateful for what you have. To be thankful always. His ways are not our ways. And He has so much more for us. My plan is to glorify myself. To make me the most important person in the room. His plan is to glorify Himself. To make Him the most important person in the room. His renown. My plan is to live for the moment. To not worry about the future. His plan is to live with eternity in mind. Everything you do now echoes through eternity. Everything you do now matters. His ways are not our ways, and He has so much more for us. When we are at those crossroad moments in life, that is where God asks us to trust Him. When you're there and you're standing at that decision, do I make myself more important or do I make Him known? That's where God wants us to trust Him. Now we can choose to do it our way and we all know what that's going to get us. We all know where that leads because we've been living it. And if you've been in a relationship with Christ for a while, you know you have this battle of what I want versus what He wants for me. And you always struggle with that because I always struggle with that. Everybody throughout history has struggled with that. There's something more for me, but it's easy for me to do it my way. It's easy for me to grab what's right in front of me, right here on earth, what is surrounding me, what is around me, instead of trying to build up the kingdom, thinking about eternity, thinking about what's out there, because there's so much more. In that moment, we can choose to do it God's way, which leads to more than we can imagine and more than we deserve. And I've been thinking, as a youth minister here, it's my privilege and my honor to see this lived out daily in the lives of the youth that are here. These youth at Calvary long for something more. They know there's something out there that's not of this world. 
I see it in the, there's a youth-led Bible study every other week. The youth just get together and talk about God. Nothing else, we just talk about God. And I can see it in that Bible study that they long for something more. That they understand that there's something so much more. I can see it in their relationships. That they have a God-honoring relationship. That they know that there's something out there for them that God has for them that's better than they could ever choose for themselves. Something that's better. There's so much more. I see it in the decisions that they choose not to watch bad movies. Not to watch movies that are inappropriate or have bad things that's going to fill their minds with evil thoughts. I see that. I see it in the friends that they choose. The friends that they hang out with. As a youth group, we have a saying that the kids, I'm sure, are tired of hearing, but your friends determine the direction and the quality of your life. I guarantee you none of those kids are going to forget that. I say it every week, and they're like, oh, there he goes again. You're right your name. <laughs> but the thing is, they're going to carry that through the rest of their life, and I hope that they remember that when they're choosing their friends. Because that is true no matter if you're 8 or you're 80. Your friends determine the direction and the quality of your life. If your life isn't going the way you think it should be, it's more than likely because of the people you're hanging out with. Because of the people you associate with. And they're going to take that with them the rest of their life. And hopefully pass that on to their children. But it's amazing to see that. That this is living out in the youth group. And these kids actually care for something more. They have all this in front of them, all this technology, all this distractions, all these things of the world, and yet they choose to reach for something more. And it inspires me to reach for something more. God wants so much for, from us, for us. He asks a lot of us so that He can give us so much more. When you find yourself at the crossroads, standing there with a decision, do I think of myself or do I think of God first? Do I do what I want or do I do what He has planned for me? Do I follow Him on His path or do I take my path? You have to ask yourself, can you trust Him? And I think the answer is yes. He has so much more for us. Pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank You for being a God of more. Not just enough, but more than enough. God, thank You for pouring into our lives riches and mercy and grace that we don't deserve. Love that we don't deserve. Father, thank You for loving me in spite of me. Thank You for sending Your Son to die on the cross, to make a way to reconcile us to You so that we can have a relationship with You that isn't lacking. We don't have to go through anyone. We can approach You directly, enter Your throne room, fall on our knees, fall on our face in front of You. Father, You are so much more than I can ever find on my own. You're so much more than I deserve. Father, I pray that we can focus on You. And when we're faced with that decision, 
that we make the right decision, that you give us the strength and the courage to follow through with it. God, help us with our struggles. Help us with our temptations. Help us in this dark and broken, disgusting and dying world. Help us see that you have more for us, an eternity, a life with you. Father, it's in your son's name I pray. Amen.